0: is the my new norm podcast and I'm your host Barry Scott Young. (laughs) Well welcome back to part two of this two part series with AJ Newsom. In this part of the conversation you will hear more of AJ's passion for God Family and burritos, and as promised, you will hear all the details as AJ and Jora risked it all to feed a big dream. Yeah.
1: kind of evolved into where we're at now.
0: Well, the exciting thing is. Not only did you get married and have incredible kids, but you guys have harnessed the creativity into this leather business. Tell us a a little bit about Red Beard Leather.
1: So Red Beard Leather, man, it, it is such a, that's a total evolution, man. So back in the day, you know, when we first met, I used to do construction uh, a lot of creative stuff bill i had a huge shop in escondido i used to do a lot of fabrication um i also did faux finishes specialty textures you remember dustin collins right and he was also working with the children's ministry he was a part of that whole thing uh so him and i vibed a lot and we did a lot of cool projects together during the time of joy and i get married you know it was a huge shift right so I come from a, a very creative, you know, construction background, building right. stuff, building odd stuff, building art, building, you know, giant postmodern apocalyptic farmhouse yeah. tables, like really thematic stuff.
0: Right, um, right,
1: And I was making a ton of money. When Jorah and I met, it was, I would say it was probably at the height of that. You know, then, of course, our, our, our relationship evolved. And we got married. And when we got married, it was at the, I would say, probably as things turned. Because now we're talking about 2008. Uh, and I was already feeling the crunch in 2007. So mm. my business at the time was called in-house art. Uh, yeah. I was doing good with it for a pretty long time. But then as we got married, things changed. The housing market tanked like you wouldn't believe in. I went yeah. to doing like handyman work and I was just working for peanuts, man. And, and, uh, it was a tough time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I and, remember uh,
1: I was frustrated. I was angry every single day cause I'm not doing anything creative. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm getting paid to go fix people's doorknobs and adjust their sliding glass doors and put on a light bulb. Right. And granted, I had some very affluent clients because you know, the people that had hired me before to pay me, you know, $10,000 to do these crazy tables and, five, $6,000 mm-hmm. to do murals in their, in their kids' rooms or 20 grand to, to faux finish walls inside mm-hmm. a house. You know, like I, I was making good money, but they also liked me so much that they were willing to hire me for 20 bucks wow. an hour or 15 bucks an hour. It was so bad. It was, it was, yeah. there was, a there was a point of absolute humility when, and, and my pride was definitely hurt when the same people who were hiring me to pay me so much were now paying me so little to do the most menial tasks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was thankful and at the same time I was really, uh, it was, it was tough for me and, yeah. um, it was getting up every single day to, to, to make ends meet and, and just get to the point of zero at the end of the month. And, um, mm. I that just was remember a tough time. It was a tough time, you know, and the church was having a t- it seemed like churches in general were having a tough time. Just everybody was just like there was a, it seemed like everyone was kind of in this place of what do we do with ourselves because nothing like this in our generation experienced anything yeah. to that extreme before. Yeah. So, during that time when I would was waiting for jobs to come up or making phone calls, if I didn't have any free time, I go into this place called the Indian store. And at the time it was off the 78, uh, if if anybody's familiar with the North County, San Diego area, it's off the 78, uh, close to an In-N-Out. And um, I'd go there and I was attracted to this place. I don't know what it was about it, but I was just absolutely mm. attracted to this store. And I would go in the store and it was kind of like a museum, very crafty stuff, you know, beads. Indian stuff, incense, the music always playing. And it also had kind of like a museum quality to it when you walked in. Right, They had all this art and artifacts all over the walls. Everybody in there was just, they, they talked real soft. It's just like when I went in there, I just felt like it was a place for me to have some peace and quiet. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was like, it was like where some, when some people like to go to a library to kind of decompress that I would go to a museum or I'd yeah. go to this Indian store to decompress, right? Because they had all, all this cool stuff. Well, I eventually learned that they had a, a back area and they had like a leather area to it. I, I, for whatever reason, found myself just like Star Trek tractor beam came on and just attracted In- me to everything there. I would be reading. La- I didn't know anything about it. I'd just mm. be reading labels, looking at the back of bottles, looking at bones and rings and D rings and zippers and just chunks of leather and all this other stuff. And it was just incredibly attractive to me. And there was this dude, Dave, that used to work there. And him and I really, like, connected. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know much about leather either. He was just kind of shoved back there because they needed somebody to man that area. So I remember one day when we had moved out of the um, the windmill, remember? And then we were in that office building at the yeah. bottom of the of the buildings there. And I remember I came in one day and I think uh, Cora was, um, I don't know, about two years old. And, and Ethan was still a toddler. I walked in and um, uh, anyway, we had this guy that came in and did worship, Henry, Henry Haynes. Oh yeah. I think his name, remember he came yeah. in and did worship one day and uh, I was really excited to see him. Cause I remember him from the movement church and all that stuff. Right. And uh, I said, hello to him. And we talked for a few minutes and then he went up there and, and started doing his thing. Well, by the end of the service, I said, uh, I said goodbye to everybody. And then he, you know, he kind of, he finds me and he comes and he grabs me by the shoulder and, Kind of turns me around. He said, "Hey man, um, before you go, I just uh, I wanted to let you know I I had a vision for you. And are you okay with me sharing it with you?" And I said, "Absolutely, man. Yeah, definitely." Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't know what I was going through at the time. I was really struggling with depression because of the work and the business and the type of work I was doing. And I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. And here I am, a dad of two new kids, and nothing's happening. We're struggling to get to zero, like just to pay rent. And don't have anything ever left over. He says, well, you know, I had this vision of you while we were doing worship. And the first thing I saw was I saw you and you're out in this field, right? And there's brush Uh, and it's low brush, like dry grass kind of brush. You see a bush and this bush is on fire and you run over to this thing and you stomp out the fire. Just as you stomp out that fire off in the distance, there's another fire. And you run over that and you stomp out that fire. It's like you keep Mm. doing this and you can see the exhaustion on your face, you know, and, and you're frustrated and you're overloaded. You're overwhelmed. So the next thing I see is uh, I see you in a boat and you're at the back of this boat, little sailboat, and you're out in the middle of the ocean, no wind, no nothing. The water's like glass and you're just bummed. You're frustrated because you're not going anywhere, right? The boat has no wind and it sails nothing. right? And I said, but the next thing I see is now you're standing at, you're standing at the front of the boat, like Captain Morgan is on the bottle and uh, there's a new wind in the sails. And this, this, this boat, Mm. this little sailboat is skipping across the water. Mm. And he goes, I just want to encourage you, man, whatever it is that you're doing, just stay the course because the Lord is about to breathe something completely new into you. Totally new, totally new. And I'm like, okay, all right. And with me, when it comes to that stuff, that side of the spirit, I kind of take it with a grain of salt, you know, like you, you, you just don't know, but I don't know what it was, man. I can't even really tell you, but the very next day on Monday, I had a job that that canceled and I didn't really have any other jobs coming. So I was just kind of waiting to see if a job would pop. And so what did I do? Went over to that, that Indian store. I don't know what it was about going that time. But when I walked into this Indian store this time, instead of somberly kind of just you know, dragging my feet in there and looking around. Like, right. oh, look at that cow skull. Oh, that's cool. Oh, there's some beads over here. Oh, those are neat beads. I walked in there and I went straight to the back. I had a hustle to me, right? There was like, there was fire in my feet. I walked straight to the back. I looked over at Dave, the dude who man the back said, Dave, you've, I, I can't take any more, man. You've got to show me how these tools work. How does this work? Just show me something. Just show me something. He goes, well, I, yeah. I, 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 he's like, I'm just learning myself. Like, I was like, well, just tell me something. He goes, well, okay, well, uh, you need to use this stuff called vegetable tan. It's like that raw leather. And so I walk over to this bin cause they have a bunch of scraps on the wall and I grab it and I pick it up and I turn around and look and I was like, and I wave it at him. I'm like, you talking about this stuff? He goes, yeah, that's it. So I go run to the front and I pay for a scrap. It's probably about the size of the palm of my hand. It was like $2 and 50 cents. So mm-hmm. I pay for the scrap and then I come all the way to the back. I said, now what? He goes, well, now you got to get it wet and you kind of draw into the leather. And I was like, get it wet. So yeah. So he sprays the sprays it all wet. Cause like, what am I supposed to draw it with? And so he just hands me a ballpoint pen and I start drawing something into it. You know, it looks like a very ugly 1990s skull and some junk on it with a wrench or something. Right. right. So I draw that in there. He goes, and he hands me two tools. Now, now, you know, doing what I do, I know that the tools he handed me were the completely wrong tools, right? But he handed me two <laughs> tools and he says, well, basically you just like, you use these tools and this hammer and you kind of bang out your your design, right? You kind of give it like, you just kind of look like that. Just bang around your lines and kind of make it look 3D. And I said, that's it. And he goes, that's it. So there was this large table, like a format table, where he would do all his cutting the leather for people when they just wanted small scraps. And I got down on my hands and knees and I started doing it, right? Just right there on the spot. And as I'm doing it, everything in the whole store, dead silent. I was so ultra focused on what I was doing. All I could hear and see was the tapping of my mallet, the tools, the leather, and what was directly in front of me. Nothing else. I couldn't hear nothing else. Couldn't see anything else. Couldn't sense anything else. I am in a store and people are shopping, right? And as I'm done, and I didn't know this, but people were gathering around me from behind me. Didn't see them. Didn't even know they were there. Mm Mm-mm. And as soon as I feel like I'm done, I look over at Dave. I grab the piece, and I was like, "Dave, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with my piece, right?" All of a sudden, this dude from behind me goes, "Bro, how long have you been doing leather for? That's no. amazing, right?" No. And I'm like, "I'm like, yo, right now, like I've been <laughs> doing it right now, like this long. Like I was so excited, <laughs> right?" Well, that was the beginning, right? Something's happened. So then I go over to him and we, you know, we put some color into it. And I said, "What? where do I get tools? Where do I get this? Where do I get that? And I'm like, you know, is this company out of Texas or Alabama or something? And he goes, no, nah, man, we get all of our tools from a place called Tandy Leather. There actually happens to be one down south. I said, no way. So he calls them up. Okay, mm. About this time, it's like around uh, 350 or so uh, in the afternoon. Calls them up. They're open. Open till five. Right. So I'm like, yo, I, I think I want to go down there. Uh, they said, well, you got till five and we closed, we closed the doors five minutes early to lock everything up and clean up the store. Uh, I was like, all right, bet I'm on my way. So I jump in my Prius. Oh, and- my. <laughs> Yes, that that's right. That was a right. wedding gift, right? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, my, my mom had done really well for herself when she had sold a business that we had in La Costa. And when she had sold that business, she sold it for like $4.3 million. And I don't mm. think my mom had ever known money like that before in her life. And um the first thing my mom does is she's a very giving woman and she decides to buy all her kids new cars. And for us, she's like, Well, they're getting married and they need something economical. They get a Prius. And I'm like, Thanks, mom. I get <laughs> Thanks, a Prius. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it wasn't it was nothing I was it was a complete total surprise to us. Um but anyway, I haul my butt all the way down to this place and I walk in there. And you remember back in the day, you remember how Circuit City used to be the thing, right? It wasn't Best Buy, it was Circuit City, remember? And they used to have this commercial, this, uh, this uh, commercial where this husband and wife would walk into the store and the doors would slide open on both sides and like look at the husband and the wife and the wife would look annoyed and he looked like he was deer in headlights, like he had just seen uh, Santa's shop for the first time. And all of a sudden he's stunned and he takes off and he's like, "Ah!" Right. And he hits this dude who's standing there sales dude with papers. The papers fly up in there and he's just taking off down the aisles. Right. Cause he's like, he's in it. He's in the magic store. Well, that was like my experience. Right. So I opened the doors and it was like glitter had come down out of the ceiling. It was like a dream moment. And I, the, 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 the smell of leather hit me in the oh. face, man. Just like fresh baked cookies. When you walk into the kitchen, oh. it just nailed me in the face. And my whole body was taken over. And I'm just like looking around in slow motion. Like, look at all of this stuff. There's leather hanging from the walls and tools and parts and da da, da what all stuff. And I'm walking around the store and it's not a very big store at all. It's 20 feet wide, maybe 40 feet long. It's like 800 square foot store. And so I walk down the store. And as I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm just, wow. And I'm touching things, you know, as slowly the, the, you know, the excitement starts to peel away. I start looking at prices and the prices are just astronomically huge. I'm like, Oh yeah. my God, I can't afford none of this. Right. we're, we're barely making ends meet, but there was something in my belly that was just like, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like I'm here, like I'm here. And so I don't know why or what happened, but I got this, overt feeling like I needed to do something, I just had to make a change. Right? Mm. I was sick and tired of I was sick and tired of struggling, and I felt like, you know, here I am, a new dad, and am I going to let my kids? Am I going to raise my kids to see their dad just do nothing but struggle? Mm. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm going to teach my kids? Is that the example I'm going to give my kids? Is that they're going to look to their father and they're going to say, "Well, that's what my dad did, so maybe that's all I should do is a nine to five job and just get a job and work for somebody else." And then hate my job every single day I get up? Is that the example I'm gonna wow. give my children? As I'm looking around, I'm asking this lady these questions about, you know, the, what's the cost of this and how you know how much does this cost? And th- there's these kits that has all the stuff and it's super expensive. So I get this wild idea. I walk outside and I call my wife. I say, Hey babe, and we're talking about like 15 minutes before the store closes. I say, hey babe, how much money we got to count right now? And this is two weeks to pay rent, okay? Mm -hmm. middle of the month, no jobs in sight. She says, yo, um, I don't know, like $586 or something like that. And I had $20 cash in my pocket for gas. That's it. She goes, said, okay. And of course my stomach drops because you know, our rent at the time was like 1400 bucks and I have one third of it. So, you know, I do what any man would do. I say, babe, I need you to trust me move all the money from the savings to the checking account. Cause I'm going to spend all of it right now. Oh my. And she says, okay. She hangs oh up the phone. My. Granted, I did not know that she was bawling on the other end, like not knowing what I was about to do. So mm. I uh, get a text message, walk back in the store. It says it's done. So while I'm in there, I'm looking around and I asked the lady, I was like, what do I need bare minimum to get started? What do I need? She goes, well, you need this. What do you want to do? I was like, I don't know, for like bracelets or something, just to make bracelets. She's like, well, you're going to need this. You're going to need some snaps. And you're obviously going to need leather. And I asked, like, looked at this big, beautiful piece of leather. And I was like, well, how much is this? Oh, she goes, well, you know, that's like 350 bucks. And I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to spend $350 on one piece of leather. So I look over and there's like this little bag lady cart, you know, those ones is like metal wire and it's got the little mm. wheels on it and it's just stuffed to the hilt with all this scraps, little junks pieces. And I said, what right. about that? Can you sell that? She goes, no, I'm not allowed to sell that. It's just for when we have classes. I was like, but could you make a skew for it, and, you know, like, sell it to me. Like, you just put a number, attach it to it. She goes, well, I guess I could. So we get a pile of together. I throw everything on the table. Like, she told me that I needed Snaps, rivets, rivet setters, like, just little things, just a junk pile of stuff. And, you know, she's over there. She's typing it all up, and she's making noises and whatever, and I'm just like, I'm (laughs) I'm sweating. I'm sweating from my throat. You know, like, the the, the (laughs) burn you get from sweating from your throat. I was like, sweating, Right. right? Right. And all of a sudden, she goes, okay, so your total is uh, $586 and change. And I was no. like, to the, I ain't lying. That's not even a lie. To the dollar. Oh to the dollar. To the dollar. Oh, my. I hand her the card, and I'm slightly shimmering, you know, a little bit of shake on me. And uh, she takes it. She runs it. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you that it barely filled a small paper bag, like small paper grocery bag. Small. <sighs> bag, right? And I go home, and on the way home, I hit the shell station, put a little bit of gas in, $10 of gas, and then I wind up buying myself a carne asada cheese quesadilla because I'm hungry, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm spent. We are out zero. All I got is change, change in the count and change in my pocket. I get home. My wife comes out the door. She's got baby in tow, hanging on the hip, and she looks at me. She goes, so what did all of our money just get us. And I'm thinking to myself, is this what Jack felt like when he had to show his mom the beans? Because I, <laughs> I turn around and I I look I said, well, I got this, right? And I, sh- I basically shoving her hands a bag of leather parts. And she didn't even know. What she just, all she saw was junk. And she goes, is this it? I said, no, I also have half of Carneside asada quesadilla for you. <laughs> like, that was no. enough.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Right?
1: So, of course, the look on her face, the feeling that I had just done the worst thing you could possibly imagine, I just did it, right? Oh, my. So then the next few hours into the night, not only did guilt and and like, what have I done? Do I need to go return this? Like, all this stuff was hitting me hard. And I spent all that time on my knees. Like, Lord, I need a job. I need a job. Please praise God. Like, it was hours, hours, hours of praying. Just praying. So the next day. No work, no jobs, nothing. Sometime around 2 p.m. the following day, I get a phone call from our landlord. His name's, I. he, he wants to be called Q. That's what we called him as Q. Uh, Trevor's dad. Remember uh, Trevor Smith? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Trevor's dad uh, rented to me and he had a bunch of rentals. He calls me up, he said, yo, AJ, what are you doing right now? And I said, um, I'm, I'm uh, nothing actually. And I said, I'm, I'm glad you called Q because there's something I need to talk to you about. And, you know, I was trying to figure out how the hell am I going to tell him, you know, like we're 10, 12 days away from paying rent and I don't got it. Like I'm, I zeroed right. out on top of that. Right. I made my situation worse. Right. I just, I barely squeaked out like a church mouse. I say, yo Q, uh, um, I, I need to talk to you about the rent right out of his mouth, man. Like he had, he was about to go to the Super Bowl. He's like, don't you worry about that. Don't worry about the rent. Right now, I need all hands on deck. I had a a flood leak in one of my major houses in Carlsbad. Can you come down and help me? And I said, yeah. He said, can you be here tomorrow? I said, Q, my truck is loaded right now. I'll come (laughs) right now. Um. So for the next two weeks, I'm just busting, like just working as hard as I can, putting in all the hours that I can. And I completely like, for whatever reason, I surprised him. He wound up firing half of his crew and just kept me on as the, oh the lead guy. My, So here we get to the third, right? I didn't say nothing to him about the rent, right? Cause he's my landlord. I'm working with him every single dang day. So I didn't say nothing to him about the rent. Here it is like the third of the fourth. He comes to me and says, all right, listen, I need to get you paid. And, uh, I, we, you know, you still owe me for the rent too. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. He goes, all right, well, uh, how many hours do you got? So we totaled up all the hours and, um, you know we we worked out something to get paid, which is probably the most I'd ever got paid on any job at that time. I think was he was offering me twenty five wow. an hour. So uh, we totaled up all the hours, and not only did I get the rent covered, but I had enough money to cover uh, the bills, diapers, go grocery shopping, and have a little extra in the bank.
0: Wow, wow
1: so that that was that was right off the bat, right? So then all of a sudden, I felt like, oh, but every single day, even in that time every single day even if I would get off at 10 or 11 or midnight and then go to work and be at the at the job site at six in the morning I would come home set up the leather and work and do mm-hmm. the work I would just get right. down and do the work learn everything I could look up everything I could go back and read all my motorcycle magazines where there was leather like I looked right. and I researched and I did the work and I worked hard and I just grind 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 and then finally, you know, months go by and you know, I'm at the time, you know, I was riding a motorcycle and stuff and so I was making a lot of friends in the motorcycle club scene and uh I had a, a friend of mine come over and uh he's a part of this local motorcycle club and he said, "Hey man, our club is about to have a, our first bike wash and you know, I'd be, you're doing that leather thing." And I said, "Yeah, I'm doing that leather thing." And he goes, mm-hmm. well, "You want to come set up?" And I was like, "Uh yeah, sure." You know, and I've never done anything like this before. And I was like, what, what do I need to set up? He goes, you need a, you need a table and you maybe probably a chair so you can sit at that table and you need like a <laughs> canopy and you can set up all your stuff on that table. I said, all right, cool. Uh, bet, I'll do it. So I hang up the phone and I'm like, babe, we're going to go do a show. She goes, with what? We don't have anything. And I was oh, like, no. well, don't worry about that. I'll figure that out. So I made some phone calls. We got a canopy. Uh, my mom uh, rented, uh, uh, you know, finger quotations, rented a canopy from target for me. And (laughs) it was an Ozarks trail, uh, canopy with a blue top. We were able to find, I think we actually borrowed a table and a fold-out chair from the church. And, uh, we went there and I literally, all I had was a bag of stuff. I had not made anything because I I was still learning how to do this. So the first thing I did is we get all set up. My wife is there, you know. She's looking all pretty and hot and everything at this motorcycle venue, and it's a of all things. I didn't know this when we got there, but it's a bikini bike wash, right? And I'm set up no. right in front, in front no. of a bar. Oh yeah, <laughs> so oh, here I no. am. Right, the bartender comes out and she's like, "Oh, so I heard you're making leather, right, heart And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm doing leather. I'm I'm so how long have you been doing for?" I was like, "Oh, you know, like a wow, You know, I'm I'm in it. You know, like I." <laughs> Fake it to make it. <laughs> so, so I make her a bracelet and I put her on. She's like, how much do I owe you? I was like, you don't owe me nothing. All I want you to do is show it off and all the ladies and stuff, if they come in there and you just point them towards me, please. That's all. That's all I mm. ask. One right after the other, man, that lady started sending people out to me.
0: Wow. And,
1: and I would measure him up and make a bracelet, design it for him right there on the spot, cut out all the leather from scrap Whoa. from scrap, make the bracelets and send it. Uh. By the end of the day, I don't I don't think we made a ton of money, but it was like 80 or 90 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. But we made money. Right? Mm-hmm. And I remember loading up and and uh, there was something that had happened in that moment. Because we had made money, And it was doing something on taking a chance on a whim. And I felt like the Lord was breathing this something new. There was something new about like the energy that I was spending in the middle of the night learning about this stuff that I don't know where that energy came from. I don't know how I was able to stay up so long grinding and then have a two hour nap just to go grind another 10 to 12 hour day and then come home and then do more leather work and do it all over again. I did that for weeks. I don't know where it came from, but I had it. And I just wouldn't stop. I just like, there was nothing in me that would let me stop. I had to do this.
0: You're driven.
1: I was beyond driven. And the thing for me was, is, and it still propels me to this day is I don't want to get up and let my kids see their father, not chase their passion. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I'm a creative individual. It could have it could have been anything, to be honest. It could have been uh, I start doing murals again, or I start wood carving, or whatever. But for whatever reason, it's leather, right? And. Yeah the Lord just breathed into that, breathed into me. He breathed. And it's really, honestly, he uses my two hands. There's times when I just push myself away from a table. and be like, yo, I wasn't at the wheel, right? It's Jesus wow. take the wheel. The wheel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's times when I'm like, yo, you're not just driving a little car, baby. You're driving a Mac 10 bus, okay? <laughs> we, we're going places. Because I, I feel like, you know, my kids, for me, if, even if I fail, Right. I mean, I literally, I could fail tomorrow. Who knows? I mean, uh, I could wreck this whole thing. But if I do, at least for the last, gosh, for ten years now into this, my kids have grown up seeing mm-hmm. their dad chase his creative passion with the mm-hmm. talents that God gave me. Yeah. Every single day, and my hope, my biggest hope, and my biggest reason is that when it comes time for my kids to chase their passion. And they get to that crossroad. What do mm-hmm. I do? Mm-hmm. Do I get the nine to five job and go down that route? Or do I chase my passion? My hope, my reason is that they saw their dad do it. They say to themselves, my dad did it and he tried. So I'm going to try. Wow. wow! That is my reason. That wow. is the reason that makes the change worth it. Because if I fail... I know that my children have been ingrained with this idealism to chase their passion. I believe this wholeheartedly, Barry. Mm. Mm. I believe this wholeheartedly that we are not on this planet to chase after someone else's passion. We're on this planet to chase after the instilled passion in our hearts. Because when I As all of this has been evolving, me chasing after this and putting my whole heart into this, there is something in the energy of it all. When I'm explaining to people what I do and the art and the love and the excitement comes out of me, It's it's like when you take a cup of fresh, cold water, right? And you take another thing of water and you pour it in and you're filling that cup and the cup is just overflowing, man. Other people are going to get wet and that water is going to spill on them. It's the same thing with our passions. The yeah. more you chase after your passion, the more you get excited about that and you share, it, it invigorates and it challenges yeah. other people in their passion. I may not get other people to want to be leather crafters or artists, but the experience is the same for them as it is for my yeah. children. They're yeah. like, yo, this man is chasing his passion. Yeah. and I want to be, a, I want to be a, a contractor. I want to be a, I, I don't know, a, a therapist. That's yeah. my passion. Look what he did. Look what yeah. he did. Look at, look, look at his experience in his life, right? And for me, that's the message. That's, that's what God is continually instilling in me. That's your message. Yeah, Your message. Your message from me through you. It's to chase that passion because every step of the way, right? Every step of the way, Barry, and you know this, there's nothing I can do to tell my story that does not include the faith in, in in the installation of his Mm -hmm. character in me and through me. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. I cannot remove him from the equation. It's impossible. It's Mm -hmm. impossible. Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge it. Right. And yeah. that's what I love, absolutely adore. And I'm thankful that at least I had a moment where I was willing to fail yeah. and take a, a crazy chance on something. Now I don't preach to people to go do what I did. I don't mm-hmm. because it's not for everybody. I mean, you could make a crazy mistake and who knows? But man, I just I everything lined up. Everything was just there was Nothing, you know, you say you used to say this a lot. You know in your knower. Remember yeah. you say that? You know in yeah. your knower. That was in my knower.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? No one now, else
0: could tell you. No. You had to know it by yourself.
1: I had to know it and I had to experience it. And here we are ten years later. We're not only just evolved in the motorcycle industry, but um from The largest, we're talking about the titans of our motorcycle industry, look to Mm -hmm. me and they go, yo, you are a part of this industry. Wow. I don't think of it that way for myself. I don't go, I don't go, you know, from my little tiny workstation where I work pounding on leather all day long from a little corner here in North County, San Mm. Diego and Vista, right? Where I'm just surrounded by farmlands and trucks. I don't go, Mm. I'm a mover and a shaker. I don't think Mm. to myself, I'm a Titan in this industry. I think everyone else is, Mm. but other people, my peers will tell me, yo, you are just a part of, you're just as much a part of this industry as I am. And to me, I, there's no way I could get here without the Lord. I couldn't get here without God guiding this. I just can't. It just, there's just no way I could say it would have happened any other way. Yeah. I just can't.
0: Right. It fits you so well. If you look at who you are. Your interest, your passion, your skills, abilities. It is completely a match for what you're doing. I think, I think there's people listening that are stuck. I think they're burned out, overwhelmed. They're, they're finding that their life has stopped of things that they wanted to do not wanting to risk anything any, anything else what would you say to them and while you're thinking about your answer i've always believed when you don't know what to do or where you're going do what's in front of you until you can do what you want to do
1: that's just that's
0: keep a- on getting up and keep on hitting it and like you, after hours, your interest was research and learning. And all of that one day is what you were doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not like, uh, I stopped doing construction and handyman work. The difference yeah. being is that in the moment that I had made some money from that little bikini bike wash doing this thing. That was the moment where hope, a new hope was solidified in my heart and in my spirit. Now, I had something to look forward to instead of something to look down onto, right? Mm. Because now I, it changed my temperament of going to work and getting handyman jobs and whatever. It changed it. It changed my outlook. It changed my perspective, everything, because the hope in my heart had completely changed. I had this new thing. Granted, I did not stop doing handyman work or construction work until my wife says, you know, you have so much custom work that if you were to do the custom work, you'd make more money today doing custom work than you would if you were to go to work doing construction work and, and that stuff. And that was the day when I said, all right, when I finish this job, it's over. No more. Uh-huh. I put my bags on." And granted, I still did jobs a little bit here and it's there. It's like, burn but, the ships. I'm here. Yep. You know, yeah. sometimes, you know, and in some cases, there are times like uh, – and I know this has been something in your life. And I, I remember a time when we were in your living room, you got this word that you're like an icebreaker, a ship that breaks mm. through the ice. And back in the day, icebreakers, uh, even though they can now, but back in the day, the old icebreaker ships, they could never go backwards. They could only go one direction. Right. They could always go forward, right? Forward. Once they took, chose a spot through the ice, then they had the guys walk on the ice, checking to see what was the thinnest so that they could just keep cutting the path so that shipping lanes would open and people could get through and stuff. And that's kind of the thing, man, is uh, you've got to commit. You've got to commit to the direction and and know that once you start, you're not going to turn around to look back to where you've been. You're just going to keep moving forward, right? Right. You know you're going to utilize that path, but at the same time you're not utilizing it to go back to it. You're utilizing it as something you can say, hey, I'm gained from this experience. I've come from that, but I'm not going back to that. Right. Every step forward, you've already grown that much more. And so even in this, you know, like I tell people, especially these other little businesses, when when, when we do shows, they'll come and talk to me and I'll tell them, like, don't chase your passion immediately. Don't, you know, chase it in the sense that you give time to it responsibly. Right. In the Mm -hmm. grind, put the extra time into it and the effort that it deserves of because of what it is. But when you are finally at a point where you can actually have the confidence that this is going to replace the revenue that you're, you've already created in your nine to five, that's right. when you have a decision to make. Is right. my passion worth the full forward, no stop, can't reverse commitment? And yeah. I believe because of what's happened in my life, I can tell you confidently that it is. It mm-hmm. is worth it. You are worth it, and if you are sitting there in your car at home, wherever you are, if you are in the moment where you have been constantly asking yourself, "Should I chase my passion? Am I worth it?" I am telling you, you are worth it. I am telling you, you are valuable. I am telling you that God is going to breathe something into you that is amazing and miraculous. Not just because. Of you, but because of the people that you will touch, the people that Mm. you will infect, the people that you will inspire, you will raise a tide for yourself and others around you that will invigorate them into a whole new level and capacity of Mm. life. Wow. And that's what we want that's what we are here to do. We are here to inspire others to the inspiration of the greatest gift that mankind was ever given and that was the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior. Mm. To be able, excuse me, be able to choose these things, to chase these things, not for ourselves, not for our honor but for yeah. him. Because every day I do this, the glory doesn't go to me. I mean, I get kudos from my friends cuz I do some cool artwork, but yo at the end of the day, I hit my knees because I didn't do this on my own. Not one <laughs> iota of it is on my own. My wife had to be inspired to let me do this. I mean, you have to think, right? Yeah, She had to be on board. Something in the spirit moved her to say, yes, she could have said no. She could have squelched it right there. She could have ended it right there and said, no, we're not doing that. We got to save our money at the end of the month. And I would have listened because, yay, we right. only had $500 plus hundred plus and $1,400 rent. I would Mm -hmm. have said, you're right, babe. You're right. I need to think about this. But she didn't. She trusted. She trusted. Hmm.
0: There's so much that you said, AJ, and I really thank you for sharing. I know people are going to hear this and be encouraged to take a step, to take a small step towards where they want to go. You know, it might be good to listen to this conversation again or a few times because there's so much in your story that you shared today. AJ, what most people don't know is my stroke happened in my RV on your property. Yes, sir. (laughs) And it was your son who opened the door to the RV and said, Barry, my mom wants to know if you want to stay for dinner. And I was sitting down knowing I had to call 911, and I couldn't talk. I was completely slurred. I know the confusion that was on his face, but he left to go get you. And when you came... I could hear the ambulance on his way. I saw your face. At that moment, I knew that our friendship and our relationship had grown to the place of even in the midst of crisis, there was something in your face that said, you're going to be okay. And uh, that was a year and a half ago. And I can tell you that I'm okay. I'm different. I have a new norm, but I'm not the same. But there's friends in your life and in my life that that are there for you. And you've been that kind of friend to me. And I thank you.
1: Barry, you've... Uh- You know, you and your wife have have been through some of the most major pinnacle uh, pins in my story on my map. And uh, that day was definitely a day where. Well, I mean, I even told you when you finally came here, I told you that I knew you were here for a reason. Mm. Like Mm. the Lord had shown me a long time ago that we were. And I told you that even when we I remember driving before this whole thing had happened, I told you that. I knew the Lord was going to bring us together again for something. And I just didn't know what it yeah. was, but this time was specific. Yeah. And, um, there was something, there was something there for me and there was something there for you. But at the end of the day, man, it really solidified that. You know, how, how much love, not only do I have through the father, but how much love the father has shown me through you, Barry, you and your mm. wife. Mm. And then mm. he's never going to stop. Mm. He's just going to continue to pour into you and he's going to continue to pour through you.
0: Well, well, right back at you, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. And this whole podcast, uh, as I mentioned to you, is having the ability to hear, I can change or I can stay the same. I'm so glad you took a risk, and you were faithful to what was in front of you, watching God unfold what he had for you. You hung in there. Thanks for listening to this two-part episode with A.J. Newsom. After hearing A.J.'s story, I hope you stop and think about where you are and what step or steps you need to take in the next 30 days this is the my new norm podcast and i'm still your host barry sky young